Jordan. He's doing an improv show next week. Go and chat to him about going to see him, because he's amazing. There you go, look, Bible reading and a plug. You're so welcome. Um, hello, everyone, I'm Jess. If we haven't met, um, it's nice to see you all. Um, I'm one of the curates here at All Saints. And I'm afraid it is time to get down to the nitty gritty. As Rich said, we're giving you a heads up, but this week we're talking about serving, and next week we're talking about money. Bam, bam, time, money. Are you ready for it? This is when people start to walk out and they think, what have I signed up for? Um, but this is what it's part to be, this is what it means to be part of the church. To look at this morning, what does it mean to play our part, to be part of the body? And I guess um, for some of you, if you were playing um, Vision Series Bingo, you were probably expecting time and money to come up, right? Am I thinking Yes. You were waiting for it while well, these are your weeks. And I guess um, the best place to start on a sermon about serving is to start with by saying thank you for all that you guys do. Um, I had quite a unique start to All Saints. Um, I arrived June 2020 in the middle of lockdown. And so um, my first sermon was preached in my living room to a camera. I didn't know any of you. Um, my first Sunday as a vicar was spent watching church in my pajamas, you know, watching TV online. Oh, the, the days, the happy days. You know, <laughs> that was quite a good way to start. And then all of a sudden, we're allowed to, to gather again. We're allowed to get back into life as a family and as we emerged, I had the joy of seeing how many of you love All Saints and love to serve this place. I was blown away by how much of yourselves you gave to this place. I was touched by how many of you had really missed the different ways you'd served. And I was moved by how quick lots of you were ready to spring back into action, raring to go again. And in many ways, we have um, like recovered from the pandemic. But as we keep realizing and as we keep speaking about, we're in a totally new season. Lots of you are new here. Hello, if you're new. And um, there's lots of opportunities for us as a church. And there are also lots of challenges. Totally get that both within your own homes and families and friendship groups. Um, challenges within workplaces and challenges, as Rich was saying, for us as a church, as we navigate this new season, it does often feel like each staff meeting was another problem to resolve. But the funny thing is about church is that it's family, right? And you'll have heard the expression, you can't choose your family. <laughs> Maybe you've thought that recently. Maybe the weeks of lockdown together made you think, oh, blimey, <laughs> I really can't have chosen this family. Last week, I um, ended up going to a funeral of a, of a great uncle. And um, as the funeral kind of drew to a close and people started to leave, there was basically just immediate family left in the room. And I thought that exact same thing. I thought, gosh, you really can't choose family. There was a bunch of randomers sitting around raising a glass to Uncle Dennis. And actually, I thought, you know what? We are all so different, different ages and stages, different shapes and sizes, different jobs, different beliefs. 
And I thought again, yeah, you can't choose family. And church is the same, right? And church, capital C church, is the same. I'm sure we could think of lots of mad aunts and weird uncles within the church. Maybe you're starting to think about those that um, like different beliefs to you, have a different way of worshipping. Those that like more liturgical smells and bells. Those that like flags and tambourines. I think Fraser's around somewhere. And even in our church family, I'm sure you're thinking, yeah, we are all so different. So many shapes and sizes and beliefs and traditions and skills. And I think that's pretty beautiful. In the reading we have Paul um, from Corinthians, Paul says, For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, one body, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. You see, it's our baptism into Christ that means we're also adopted into this family. The way into family is not necessarily through marriage or birth, but here in the church, it's the rebirth in the spirit into the bride of Christ. We read in Ephesians 4 this, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You see, Paul's logic here is that was one faith, one Lord, and that our faith is putting our trust in him and him alone. And the act of baptism is us saying, do you know what, I'm putting this faith into practice, I'm all in. So whoever baptised you or whenever you were baptised or maybe yet to be baptised, it's the same all over the church. We're baptised into this mad family. In other words, what I'm trying to say is the waters of baptism are thicker than blood. The highest reality is not an earthly family, though many of them good and proper and the best things about our lives. But actually, we have a heavenly family. We're part of a bigger picture. Through baptism, we're called one family and one church. There's this um, new church plant in Newcastle that um, some of us are friends with the people that have planted it. It's called St. Thomas Newcastle. And they have this tagline, there's a picture um, on the screen. It says, join the club, and then they've crossed out club and they've written family. And I thought, oh, if I ever plant a church, I'd love that to be the strap line. So you're not joining a social club, you're joining a family. A family that looks different, I guess, in different places in the world, different expressions. But together, once a week, we come, we worship Jesus, we open the word, we share sacraments. It was never meant to be just a social club. It's a family where we joyfully live under the care of the Father. We're co-heirs with the Son, we're empowered by the Spirit. 
And so surely that should change how we interact with one another. Surely that means we become one body. And so the reading, as confusing as it might be, and maybe you want to have it open in front of you, to 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26, Paul is basically reaffirming that the church is a body, and so therefore united. A body, of course, consisting of lots of different parts. But the beauty of the body is that it's both marked by its unity and its diversity. The diversity of the body doesn't threaten the unity. All members still belong to one body. Now, I did have to laugh when I was preparing this this week because I thought, I, I really do take scripture seriously. But if your foot ever starts talking to you, start to seek medical advice, okay? <laughs> That's not normal. But a foot may say that it does, does not truly belong to the body and it's, and it's not a hand, but we still need a foot, right? Similarly, an ear may think it's not part of the body because it's not an eye, but how would we hear without it? And I started thinking like, yeah, some of us in this body, and, and I've been there, feel like our gifts are small and insignificant that actually somebody else could probably do it a better way. But we need every member of this body to function. We can often dismiss ourselves, saying, I'm just the spare part in all of this. But we need you, and we need your gifts. In verse 18, it says, um, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? We can't be a family on our own. The whole point of Paul's uh, expression here is to say, hey, we need one another. There's not room for self-promotion in this. That completely undermines the unity and the diversity of the body. And in the same way, there's no room for self-deprecation. The invitation is for all of us. All of us are included round the table. All of us are accounted for. All of us have a part to play. If the entire body was just an eye or just an ear, we'd be very weird, right? Very weird looking. Wouldn't be a body as we know it. You see, God has arranged and appointed and placed every one of us for such a time as this to be part of this family, to be part of this body. And the gifts that God has given each of you reflects himself, reflects his sovereignty he knows what he's doing. It's his intention that we were meant to move together and work together. It's his intention that we live harmoniously together. Paul wants us to understand the beauty and the diversity of the gifts that we have. One commentary said, um, the body of Christ is not monochromatic. 
with a boring sameness among the members. But yeah, I don't want to belong to a church that's just grey scale, black and white, that just moves like robots. I want us to be fully alive, technicolor, on fire for Jesus. That we're people that bring our whole selves to this family. That we celebrate each other's diversity and uniqueness and difference. Thank goodness we're all different, right? I was thinking, imagine a world full of Jesses. Lord, have mercy. (laughs) I love the fact that we're all so different and so unique and have different perspectives and opinions. Your perspective and opinion is valid here. In 21, and verse 21, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, Oh, I'm not sure if I've got the energy to volunteer for X, Y, and Z. But I want you to hear this this morning. You are still just as valuable before you've done anything, before you've signed up to any rota, joined any team. We love you and we want you as part of this family. We need you here. Lots of us were here last week and you'll have remembered Rich talking about seven areas that mark out resilient discipleship. And we had a brilliant chat about it in our life group on Thursday. And just to remind you, the seven areas were prayer, formation, community, generosity, evangelism, justice, care for the poor. And I'm not going to lie, when Rich said all of that, I thought, how am I going to fit all of that into my week? I don't know how. And actually, it was expressed quite a lot in our life group of like, oh, how, how do we get good at all of those things? And actually, the conclusion that we came to, which is, I'm sure, Rich's point of, of naming them, was that we've got to do it together. It was never meant to be just for on our own checklist, our own to-do list, our own goals. The whole point is to work together to see each of those areas in the life of the church grow and thrive, for us to learn from one another, for us to think, oh, you do that really well. How can I spend more time learning from you? Or, oh, you've got this heart for justice. I'm really intrigued by Take me out for coffee so I can learn more. It was never meant to be a a panic moment where you think, I've got to get good at all of them. This is the beauty of the body. We learn from another and we do it together. As family, we go. And I love hearing about how God uses us in our workplaces, in our homes, in our day-to-day lives. I get so inspired when I hear about the ways that people have been able to share faith with colleagues or been really pivotal in a decision in healthcare or um, been able to start a, a Bible study group at a school. I, I hear stories all the time of people doing amazing things in the, in the workplace and in the world. And, and I think that is where we've got to pour so much of our time and energy. This talk isn't about getting you to come and do all the things that we need help with. This, this, the whole point 
is for us to celebrate each other and marvel at the diversity that we have in this room. God wants us to use our giftings to see the kingdom come, to see the renewal of all things, both within the life of the church and in this city. Interesting that the reason why um, Paul was using this analogy of a body was because at the time, lots of non-Christian and non-Jewish writers were, were using that metaphor, talking about social and civic and political life. And they were using it as a way to talk about the emperor being the head. And what Paul does is he flips it all around and says, actually, we owe our allegiance to a different head, to Jesus. And that the way they were using the reference was talking about status, people having better jobs than each other people doing more high-profile, more honourable things. And yet Paul's saying, actually, all are needed and all are counted. There's not a hierarchy. Paul totally undermines that narrative. He says, never let one part say to another, I don't need you. The whole idea is that we're supposed to be doing this together. And so I guess what I want you to take away from this morning is that we're not just members of a social club. We're part of a family where you are loved before you've done anything. That Sunday isn't just a show hosted by a team for an audience, but rather it's a gathering of family around a table, feeding from the word of God and the sacrament of communion. Sunday isn't just an event that we orchestrate for a few people. It's a gathering where we, someone's on a stool and someone's on an office chair. And I just had this image of like, wouldn't that be amazing if our gathering started to look, you know, full of different people from different walks of life. Full of life and vibrancy and technicolor. And so we want to dream big for this season we're so excited by what God is doing and we want to we want to expand and we want to help those team members that are going all out. And so there are five different things I just want to highlight as I come to finish that if you signed up um, to just one of these things, it would help make our family grow and get broader and, and more people can come and be involved. So first off is... Um, all we would need is five people who could dedicate to a Thursday afternoon to help Joe launch a light box, which is a youth drop-in, meaning more young people could come in and find a safe space in church, could um, connect to um, other Christians, could share some of their mental health issues or simply just a place to hang out. Joe has got so many ideas for Lightbox and all that it could be. And she was saying five people to come on that team would help her be able to put that on um, each week. <laughs> yes, children. Um, four extra team a week on a Sunday would mean that when a new family arrive in church, we could have someone waiting for them in the car park, ready to welcome them up the ramp, 
ready to explain where to go for each youth group and adventurers and where the toilets are. It would mean that we could have multiple people on the doors so that we could have conversations and say, hey, how's your week been? How are you? Wouldn't that be amazing that a new family arrive and as soon as they get here, they're like, oh, this is All Saints. I know exactly where I'm meant to be and what's going on. That people would drive past and go, what's going on there? There's so many people, like with high jackets on. I've got a dream for high-vis. <laughs> um, three extra people a week on Adventurers would help Annabelle hugely in making the transition to a new venue just so much more manageable and so much more easier. Someone to just come and pull a trolley full of craft stuff um, to the location or to come and hold doors open for the team that are going to get people set up. Um, it's, it's a small number, but it would mean the world, it would just make such a difference to Annabelle and it would mean that more kids could engage in the work that we do there. Um, if two extra people volunteered on our um, tech team, it would mean that our 6 p.m. gathering would function so much easier. Um, it would mean that we could have um, maybe streaming. We, it, it would help fill with podcast recording. Um, it would just make things run smoother and therefore more um, people can come and benefit from the stuff that's going on here, I guess. And lastly, one extra person a month to help Mark with practical jobs, um, serving tea and coffees at events, um, a whole host of things would just mean that Mark doesn't have to spend so many of his hours washing up mugs, etc., etc. And I know he would value it hugely. Um, I remember he put a plea out just for someone to go and stand at the bottom of a ladder for him. <laughs> and so just one person a month to help Mark with the practical things would, would just mean that we could run things so much more smoothly. And as I said, all of this is not a guilt trip but it's trying to paint a picture of the kind of um, difference just a few extra volunteers would make to ministries. So we've got um, a QR code and we're going to pause for a second. And if you scan this QR code, a um, form of interest will emerge and all the different areas for teams um, are on there. And by doing that, by clicking and saying I'm interested would just mean that you can then have a follow-up conversation. The team leader will get in touch with you. Um, it's not you signing up to a rota. It's not you signing up indefinitely to help out every Sunday. It's just saying, hey, I'd be interested in having a conversation. So let's pause here. Let's take a couple of minutes. Um, if you need help scanning a QR code, some of us can um, come out with our phones. But um, see what, what's God speaking to you about? What area could you help in? And what ways um, could you help us make these dreams a reality, I guess? So let's take five minutes and then we'll come back together.
Um, if you're having trouble getting it to work, there will be an email coming out as well tomorrow with this link, and you can do it from a laptop if that's easier. Um, equally, after the gathering, um, the youth are purposely going to come back so that they can have a look at the options and the ways in which they can serve. Um, so there's going to be a little table with the QR code, and some of us will have our laptops out if you did want to have a look. Um, there'll also be sweets at the table. Win-win, right? Amen. Um, but we're going to respond now, and we're going um, to just wait on God, and we're going to ask him to speak to us. So can I invite you to stand um, I'm just going to lead us in a time of prayer. Um, as I was um, preparing this and, and praying about it yesterday, I just had a sense that for some of us, talking about gifting just really does make us go, what, what have I got to give? Or, oh, God, you can't use me. 